0: Praise, the Lord. praise God. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Give her a round of applause. She did well. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Inkem. On your seats there, if there's people here for the first time, you'll find an A4 sheet. You're going to need that this morning. And if you turn to 2 Chronicles, turn to 2 Chronicles with me. Good, good news today, praise God. 2 Chronicles chapter, chapter 1 and verse 7. Two Chronicles one seven. The story of Solomon coming into ministry and how he formed the foundation for his life and the prosperity, great prosperity, the greatest prosperity that ever been on the earth, and where that came from. Two Chronicles chapter one and verse seven. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, "Ask for whatever you want me to give you." Solomon answered God, you have shown great kindness to David, my father. Solomon knew the importance of his father. He knew the source of his blessing. He knew it wasn't just about him. When God asked him what he wanted, his first thought was his family tree. First thought was his bloodline. Solomon answered God, you have shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father, David, be confirmed. Here he goes again. He's looking for an ancestral blessing. He's not thinking of the limitations of just his own life. He thinks about what God promised his father, what should be happening in his bloodline, and he prays that in. That's wise. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father, David, Be confirmed, for you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? God said to Solomon, Since this is your heart's desire, and you have not asked for wealth or riches or honor, nor for the death of your enemies... And since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. And I will also give you wealth, riches, and honor, such as no king who was before you ever had, and none after you will have. In the whole Bible both the Old Testament and the New, this is the pinnacle. This is the highest it ever got, the kingdom of Solomon. This was God's people, if you like. This was their best hour, the best time in history. And we've seen so far as we've journeyed through the books, we've seen that it's a very bumpy road. God help us. It's a tough old battle. These guys have a hard time. And it's when you get to this place... When you get to the kingdom of Solomon, for the first time, we see great success. One and two chronicles, Ezra and Nehemiah, were all originally one book. And all four books are successful. All four books were wrapped up together and they originally believed they were actually written by the same person, Ezra. And he follows the same structure in each one of those books. And it's a positive structure, a great structure. Now, we'll come to what happened after, later, because you know the story. But just let's pause for a moment and enjoy the great blessing of this moment. Enjoy the, the great success that Solomon and the kingdom are enjoying at this time. Because Solomon was aware of this here. Look at this. You know, this is one of the first Christian books I ever bought long time ago it's called birthright it's by a dusty university professor in the states not, an even, not, not not a roaring pentecostal type but when he got saved he realized that so many christians he was working with missed a basic they didn't understand their birthright and so he wanted to tell the world and he wrote this book and it, it, it gave me a good foundation in certain ways and one of them was understanding like Solomon, you want to be blessed? Instantly he thinks of his dad. Instantly. Goes straight to his family tree and he considers that good and bad. And Needham wrote this book to basically tell us, to tell the world, hey folks, don't you know, don't you remember That once you're in the bloodline of Jesus, once you come into this family, there are certain things that you're entitled to. There are certain automatic things. But there are other things that are not automatic as we'll see in a moment. You can have great success in your life. You can say amen there. (laughs) You can have great success in your life. And if there's something inside you folks... That day after day says to you, I'm better than this. I remember, do you remember Chinadu was stuck in the rain? Welcome to Glasgow. Chinadu was stuck in the rain on Mary Hill Road waiting on the bus. You know, when the buses go by and splash him. And he came into church to the prayer meeting and he gave his testimony. You remember what he said? He said, when I was standing cold in the rain, a thought went through my head. And the thought was this, I'm better than this! Now you can say, Amen. Amen! Amen! I'm better than this! And if you have lost that piece of you, if you have lost that bit, then may God resurrect it in you this morning. May God bring back to life that pilot light, that birth, that seed, that beliefs, that seed of faith, that seed that recognizes you're a son of God. A child of the king. Today, may God resurrect it in you. If you have lost it. And I hope you haven't. Solomon knew the source of his success. Solomon honored the source of his success. Which was his bloodline. His family tree. Years ago, I, 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 I was down. I wasn't getting where I wanted to get in life. Wasn't getting where I wanted to get in the kingdom, and I was in the middle of a field. And I remember like apologizing to God and saying, God, I'm sorry. You know, I, 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 I shouldn't be, you know, downcast like Nehemiah going into the presence of God. Sorry. And I really felt the counsel of God speak to me and say to me, Hey lad, you're a king. I'm not surprised you you don't feel right. You're a DNA is destined for great things. And when you achieve little or see little, you should be frustrated. Amen? You should be. There should be a holy dissatisfaction that you have believed for great things and strive for great things and don't stop until we get a hold of them. Now these things... That life, that mindset is typified in the Bible, peak of Scripture in Solomon. That's where we see it. And so to study his life is a good, 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 good thing. He had what you could call success without the stress. Who wants success without the stress? Come on. Amen. He had success without the stress. And you can read that, it's all there. Actually, he's not the only one, so did Isaac, so did Joshua. There's good stress and there's bad stress. And we're all too familiar with that. Good stress is, you know, when you do your exercise, whatever, you're stressing the muscle. That's a good thing. You're growing yourself or whatever. Bad stress. Bad stress is negativity. When your failure or your lack of success in certain ways causes you to be negative negative or whatever, it's bad stress, negativity, and that type of heart in you can spurn negativity, negative speech, negative thought, no good, but there's good stress, and as I say, Solomon knew, Solomon knew what he was entitled to, and he knew how to enter into it, let me preempt some of your questions, I've written them on your notes there, These are typical questions that Christians ask when somebody says to them that they're supposed to be successful in life. Question number one, can I be godly and successful at the same time? Answer, yes, absolutely. Solomon was. Is it right for me as a Christian to want to be successful? Answer, well, may God forgive us if we don't. May God forgive us if we are apathetic Or don't struggle and don't strive for that. That's very wrong. Is God interested in my success? Yes. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to make you prosper. Plans to cause you to succeed. Can I rely on God to back me up if I do succeed? Absolutely. And are there principles, scriptural principles that can help me and give me a foundation to start? Absolutely. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Before we start, let's get one thing out of our minds, my mind and your mind. You know what it is, right? (laughs) Just because you fail doesn't mean you're a failure. And successful people, so-called successful people, normally are those who have been through a mountain of failures, just those who didn't give up. Take, for example, Richard Branson. Does everybody know who Richard Branson is? Right, very famous guy actually around the world owned majority shareholding at one point in Singapore Airlines etc 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 now would you consider him a success or a failure are you sure do you think he's ever failed (laughs) we hear this I saw a documentary years ago about Richard Branson and it was a bit of an expose and it shocked me they had a list of all his companies. He must have had 20, 30 companies. They lost millions and millions. And they worked their way through his history, the true history of Richard Branson. And they said, well, he formed this company. It lost everything. He formed this co- He lost everything. He formed this co- It lost everything. Whew. And this is a Guardian newspaper article right here. And it goes through the businesses that Branson started and it says basically beyond two outstanding successes that all the world knows about, everything else failed. Virgin V failed. Virgin Vision failed. Virgin Vodka failed. Virgin Wine failed. Virgin Jeans failed. Virgin Brides failed. Not many Virgin Brides these days, but never mind. Virgin Cosmetics failed. Virgin Cars failed. And on and on and on. You see, folks, now i ask you the question again. Is Richard Branson a failure or a success? You sure? <laughs> and why is he a success? Because, listen folks, listen real careful. Because he didn't identify himself by the failures. He separated himself from what had happened. And if you had gone to him with virgin vision, when the whole thing is a flop, and you had said to Branson, Branson, look, you failed. <laughs> he would, without a doubt, he would say to you, excuse me, it just didn't work. The plan did, oh, I'm not a failure. And he never thought of himself as a failure. He didn't identify himself or get his identity out of what he was doing. You understand? He, he had the ability which all successful people, including you, must get. And it's this. It's the ability to separate your identity from that which is going on. And he learned from those mistakes. And learned from those mistakes. And simply kept on going. Now you've got a better start than him. Because he's not saved and you are. Amen. You know, the Bible says the, the children of this world can be wiser than the children of God. And it's true. Shouldn't be. But it is true. You have a better start. You've got God behind you. And if only we would employ simple, basic principles. We can succeed, folks. You can succeed in what you put your hand to. But there are principles. And I don't know what your business is. I don't know what you do for a living, whether you're a chemist. But you can be successful. My business is to get the Word of God to the nations. Hallelujah. There are ways, there are means of you achieving whatever goal God has given you. But remember the God you serve. And you, no matter what it is, whether you're a doctor or a banker or whatever, you can see great success in that area. What are the rules? Rule number one. Take a look at your notes. Rule number one. Success in biblical terms. How do we define it? Well, success is very strictly... Achieving God's goal, not your goal, God's goal for your life, whatever that is. It could be for you to be a good housewife. Could be for you to be a doctor or a busman or whatever, I don't know. But success is defined biblically by you becoming the person who God wants you to be. Whatever that is and the totality of that. Look up a moment, listen to me. I don't know about you, but I've met many successful people and I wouldn't want to be like them. I've met many people who rise to the top of their tree, their group, their organization. And when I'm with them, I think, do you know what? (laughs) I don't think I want success that badly. I don't want that. And it's a sad truth, folks. Some people forget the nature of godly success. And they feel that it's a career ladder, you know? I've got to stand on everybody and and at any cost, I've got to get to the top of this tree, I've got to get to the top of this ladder. Well, that's the world. Amen? Remember who was at the top of the ladder? Jesus Christ. King of kings, Lord of lords. What did he do? Stepped down, humbled himself, entered humanity. To put a crown on you. Remember the Lord whom you serve. Remember the nature. Yes, he's a king, but he is a servant king. And never forget it. Don't leave. By all means, business. We need, you know, to, to be aggressive and we need to be in the marketplace and have your presence. No problem but it doesn't mean that we abandon ethics and it doesn't mean that we behave or act like the world or take on worldly characteristics. That is failure, not success. That is complete failure. And there are reasons, folks, and sorry to bring this up, but we need to deal with it sometime for you. Someone at some point in your life needs to sit you down and take you back over your life And maybe dig out some attitudes, some problems that could be a weight that will stop you progressing and stop you succeeding all your life. You don't want that. Amen. You don't want that. See that triangle? This triangle is Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of human needs. It's a famous triangle. If you do psychology or sociology or anthropology, any of the social sciences or even social work, you will study this on your first week. It's a very famous triangle and I haven't seen it bettered. I showed it to you before, but not in any detail. This can help you analyze yourself, your behavior, and maybe isolate some things that stop you succeeding. I'll start at the bottom of the triangle with physiological needs. Abraham Maslow was a psychologist, and and this was his theory. See the bottom of the triangle. We all have hunger and thirst needs. And his theory was this. If you as a child have a problem with food, like many people do today, with food and water, if you live, you've grown in the east coast of Africa today, you've got no water, right, big problem, big famine. If you grow up in some place where food is short or there's severe pro- uh, poverty, then later in life you can have problems. You can be a hoarder filling your cupboards because deep at the back of your mind you say I will never be hungry again that's enough to block your well friends remember Jesus talked about the man who built bigger barns his faith was in the wrong place and these things can stem back to when we were kids look at the second one safety and security needs now look at me a minute if please please listen folks Because some of you are insecure. If as a child, your parents didn't... They weren't very good parents. And they didn't know quite how to make you secure. And you, without knowing it, as a child, grew up with a father who wasn't a very good father, a mother who maybe wasn't great at her job. Then what you run the risk of doing is becoming an adult who is insecure. And as an adult, you will look for people... To do and to fill in you the things that your dad didn't or your mum didn't. And if you do that, you, they call it codependency, you, you end up in, a, in a, mess, a messed up mind and unable to function normally within churches, within society, within your family. You're, it's a dysfunctional family. Don't put your hand up. Is anybody here insecure? Plenty. 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 And the reasons for it can be they stem from childhood. They stem from don't blame your dad, right? Dads aren't perfect. That's not where this is going. You need to learn to, to 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 find the solution in God and in God alone and let him make up whatever is lacking. Look at the next level up, and these are progressive. In other words, you need to trust the Lord for your food and water, trust the Lord for security needs. The next level up, social needs. A sense of belonging. And some people will never belong. Folks, I have sat with grown women and grown men who will come to church. They will sit on their own. They will speak to no one. They will not socialize. And then they will come to me and say, nobody likes me. Nobody likes me. What's wrong with this church? And you have to say to them, my dear, my friend, you will spend your life isolating yourself in church after church after church after church because the problem is not the church. The problem is deep within you. You're, you don't have that receiver, that ability to be accepted and even if we tried to love you, you couldn't take it like water off a duck's back because something's malfunctioning within you. Love needs, social, the need to belong then you see this an enormous amount, of course, in adults, right? Of course you see it in adults, but it's more than just that. You see it massively in teenagers. They've got to have the t-shirt belonging to this group. or that. It's identity. It's belonging they're looking for. Churches, the world is full of these people, but churches are full of these people who have not found their all in all in Christ. You need to deal with it. Next level up, this is a huge issue. Esteem needs. Do you know anybody here? Don't put your hands up. Don't speak out loud. Do you know anybody here who needs to be seen? Is there anybody here who likes to get a round of applause? Is there anybody here who feels that they need the approval of other people? and who does what they do actually for the approval of others. Anybody? Big issue. Big, 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 big issue. If no one could see you doing what you do, would you still do it? If there was no one there. It's a very good way of analyzing your motive. How is your esteem? Because believe me, again, not just the world, but Christians when their parents do not give them the right form of affirmation, then as an adult, that person can seek affirmation from everybody they meet. They will look for positions like in worship or whatever public things in the church, something that is seen. Because in that, they get a certain type of fulfillment. They feel recognized. They feel of value. Do you understand me? They feel of value. And it develops their self-worth because their self-worth was damaged as a child if the parents do not bring them upright. Now, I get judged all the time for this because I understand it. I had very good parents. And so it's easy to see, you know, these issues. You will never help anybody, folks. You know what Jesus said? A very interesting thing one day. Jesus turned to his apostles and said this. Let no man call you father. What was that Jesus? Let no man call you father. No man can be your father, is what he was saying. And the apostles were obviously, like every pastor, every leader has to do, the apostles were dealing with people who you can never give enough to, never fill their self-esteem, never, you know, because God's not in it. And they're looking for approval and looking for this and looking for that. And such a person will complain about their husband or if it's a man, complain about their wife. He, she's this, she, he's that. Such a person complain about the pastor. It's the pastor. It's my husband. It's my friend. And it can all stem from a simple inability to stand on your own two feet. Let no human being. Do you know when Jesus said, let no man call you father? Do you know what he was saying to you? No human being can meet those needs. If your father messed up, don't go to the apostles. Don't go to your husband. You need to go to who? God. You need to go to God. And you need to be fulfilled in God. Let Christ be my all in all so that for all my esteem, for all my self-worth, I'm not chasing people, am I? I'm not expecting people. It's like you, Jeanette. There are many things that Jeanette will never, can never do for me. And so how, what, what, a se- what an own goal, what a self-inflicted wound it would be on me. How stupid I would be to demand her to be all things, answer all my needs. You can't do that. And I can't do that for you. We both need God. And when I get God fulfilling my needs, whether it is for esteem, Lord, you esteem me. Lord, you have saved me. And I thank you for that. Hey, do you know what? I don't need your applause. Amen? Because if God is for me, hey, (laughs) I'm afraid you fall into a very poor second place. No person will ever fulfill these issues in you. No one. Your whole life long. So get before God. And these are, they are success blockers, folks. They're success blockers. Because someone who's craving esteem or still trying to feel that they belong, you're not going to build anything either with your family or your career. You're you're, going to be messed up. And you can say to me, oh, Pastor Mike, I didn't come to church for a load of psychology right? Some of you already said that, didn't you? It's in the Bible. This same thing is in the Bible. Turn to 3 John. It's the same thing. I'm going to read it in in the, the King James Version. 3 John, verse 1. John says the same thing as Maslow with his hierarchy of human needs, really. He just puts it in a different way. 3 John, the third epistle of John, chapter 1, verse 1. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Let me tell you why I'm saying it's the same as this, folks. Do you know what John is saying? Look at me. John is saying this. Hey, Christian, I hope you do prosper, but only as you Make your way up the triangle. I hope you prosper at the same degree that you mature your soul. Do you get it? You cannot have godly prosperity, godly success in life. God will protect you. He's a good father and will hold back from you until you grow up. And John very well says, I hope you prosper. Oh, but only to the same level that your soul grows. So you get soul growth and you can succeed. You deal with esteem needs. You deal with love and belonging needs. You're growing your soul. You're finding your rock in Christ Jesus and not in anything else. And then you can be safe to prosper in the hands of your Father. Amen. So it's the same thing by another name. Point number one this morning, success for you and for anyone is achieving God's goal for their life. What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? Point number two, God has provided for your success. And there are many here this morning because of the type of church this is. God has certainly provided for your success in, mu- in, a, in a multitude of ways that you need to thank Him for. For example, if you've come from another country and you find yourself here, you find yourself in this land, which is a, a green and pleasant land. I know it's a little bit damp up here, but excusing the weather, the UK is still one of the most desirable places in the world to live. And people walk all over Europe to get here. Refugees from the four corners of the earth to get here. It remains one of the top countries that people want to live in. Now listen to me. I, God determines the times and places that you have lived. And he has, he's the architect of that. And he has designed that for your best benefit. To deal with whatever negative issues or problematic issues there were in the place that you were born. And he will mix and match people to suit you. Mix and match the nations. For me, I was born in Belfast. It was an incredibly bad place at that time. Jim Tran's testimony a a a month ago was just, it was brilliant to me to hear that because I grew up in all of that, in terrorism and war, you know. But that was a terrible place to be. But I thank God he plucked me out of there. And he put me in a better place, which was Cardiff, a much better place, with where the thinking of people was better. And you know, look, please listen. When I landed my feet in Cardiff, I suddenly realized, hey, some of these problems I've got in life, it's not me. It's the place I was living. It's the city it's Belfast it's the attitude it's not me now there were other problems that were me but some of it was purely environmental remember God had a plan to 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 rescue the Hebrew people remember the Hebrew people are the most discouraged downtrodden people you can imagine they had lost all hope and who did he raise up to save them (laughs) Moses. Moses thank you Stephen Moses. Now, listen. Please listen, folks. Did he leave Moses? A Hebrew? No. Because that nation was so depressed and down, God looked and he thought, ah, do you know what, Moses? I'm going to rescue you. And he put him in a reed basket. And he promoted, if you like, in those days it certainly was, into Pharaoh's household. He changed his environment. And Moses grew up with a hyper-positive, super-positive mentality. Mr. Can-Do-It. And then he takes Moses, and where does he go? Back to the people. Now go back to those downtrodden and depressed people and raise them up. Lead them, Moses. His first move for the deliverance of the people was to take one person, and that person is you, and to move you to a place where the, maybe the environment in Nigeria, maybe the environment in Pakistan, maybe the environment in Mauritius was not going to help you. It was not what you particularly needed because you have an individual list of growth points, but God knows them, and God himself has determined the times, 2011, and the places, at this point Glasgow, where you live, and he has designed those just like Moses to give you the best possible opportunity to be a success in life in what you put your hand to. Hallelujah. It's a good God. Do you know, Scotland, forgive me, I don't get the exact. I think I'm right in saying Scotland has the lowest aspiration rates in Europe. I need to find those statistics because it was quite shocking. It was a, a BBC News report. Many years ago I saw it and they were going through the nations and asking the young people what they wanted for their life and the end up, the statistics were that they felt that Scotland, the, the Scots had the lowest level of expecting something greater in Europe. That's terrible, isn't it? Isn't it? That's terrible. I know it's rainy, <laughs> but we can believe. Hallelujah, we can believe. Amen. That's part of the reason why the Africans are here, folks. To stir it up a bit. And to help us. Hallelujah. To intercede and to break those strongholds because they are national. And there's no other nation I know of that, has, that actually has a word for it. Doer, right? You see, that's a problem there. It's a problem for a nation if you have to invent a word to describe a mentality or an attitude. Now, there's no place for that in here. There's no place for that in the kingdom. But it is a a, a national thing. And we need to go like Moses. We need to go into Glasgow. And be positive. Be believers. Be believers who believe in a good God. Who believe in a future. Now you have heard me pray a thousand times. And I don't know if I have ever prayed for this city without calling it a... Great! Great city! Friday after Friday. I will always preface the word Glasgow by saying this great, great city to try and demolish the work of the devil. Amen. Because it is a great city. It's a fantastic city. It's a wonderful city for churches. And so when you have been plucked and brought here, there's good bits and bad bits to that. Go with the good. And God has provided. He's opened every door and done all He can to help you succeed with your location. Secondly, with your gift. Every single Christian has a gift. And it saddens me. It would drive you nuts when you see people who are so gifted and they don't use it. (laughs) Stupid! God gave every single Christian. There are no exceptions. A gift. What's your gift? And it is in that thing when you play to your strength, folks. When you play to your strength You just seldom fail. You get success. And you need to discover whatever that strength is. And you can prosper accordingly. Solomon, we're not going to study it today, but look at Solomon. Solomon needed gold, you know, and gold was in the hills of Ophir. And he scratched his head and he thought, look at all those gold, I need that gold. And he sent messengers, go and spy out the land of Ophir. And they came back and they said to Solomon, Solomon, do you know what? There's great gold. And they had no gold in Israel, by the way. And there he was. And they said this. But they don't have spelt. And they don't have this type of grain. And Solomon, they don't have lentils. Guess what, Solomon? You do. Ah. Do you know what? For Solomon, spelt became as heavy as gold. And he was able to trade internationally simply by taking a little bit of advice. Right? Right? God, he was a good businessman. God gave him a gift for business. God blessed Solomon. Solomon was an excellent businessman. And he needed to follow through, listen to God. As I was telling Ben, you know. I was in Seattle a few years ago. And Wendell's dead now. Wendell Smith. It's a great church. This business guy had not been very successful in his business. a good man. And he, he went to Wendell, who's an outstanding man of God. He really was. I'm not just saying that. Wendell Smith is dead now and he's a loss to the church. He went to Wendell and said, I'm a businessman. I've got all these dreams and all these hopes and I don't seem to make any money. Got any ideas? And Wendell said to him, you go and sit down over there and be quiet and sit there and don't move until God speaks to you. If you do not seek until you find, you didn't seek at all. So you go and wait. And Wendell said, sometime later, that guy came back and said to him that he had made 10 million for his company. That as he prayed, an idea. I got it. I got it. Why don't we do this? And he was off. Simply growing through the stages. Allowing God to speak to you, allowing God to be the king of your castle and guide you and lead you through life. Not complicated, not rocket science, but a massive breakthrough. You have a gift. You need to sanctify the gift, but you need also to use it. And it is a tragedy, the number of people who never use their giftings. So God has, number one, success in life is achieving God's will for you. Not your own plans, but his will. Number two, God has provided for your success with where you live and by giving you a gift and you need to find it and use it. Number three, he has, whether you're aware of it or not, he has already planned and put in place a series of events that if you line up with them, can take you from glory to glory, faith to faith, success to success. No question. No problem. He's eternally good. Always got a good plan. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I'm on your side. He has planned for your success. Just like, as we're doing an overview of the Bible, just like he planned for Jesus. Remember, Jesus wasn't omniscient. He grew in wisdom and stature. He didn't know all things as he was growing up. He grew in wisdom and stature. And if you consider, imagine the young child Jesus or the young man Jesus Christ and think about his task. From a young age, he was aware that he was to be this moral leader, that he is the Christ and yet his mother and father weren't married when he was conceived and everybody knew about it. That oh, is Jesus. It's Jesus. Imagine as a young man, having the weight on your shoulder, I'm supposed to be the Christ with, from a broken home? Well, how's this going to work, Father? I don't know how I'm going to overcome that one. How's this going to lead to success with my history? But God had already planned to help Jesus straighten out his mind. And he would sit in the temple and they would read from the Scriptures... And without a doubt, many, they read through the scripture every year, right? And they would read the story of Jesse. Jesse had seven sons and Samuel was looking for a king. Jesus got to be king. Jesse had seven sons, but he hid David. David was born from an adulterous affair. In sin did my mother conceive me. It's not talking about original sin. It's talking about adultery. So Samuel comes, he's looking for the king. Looking for the leadership of the nation. And he presents these sons. And Jesse presents the sons. But he, shh, 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 don't tell him about David. And Jesus is a young man sitting, listening to that story. And then you can't fool the prophet, you know. Samuel says, no, 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 there's someone else. And Jesse confesses. And he says, I had a child by an adulterous affair. That's the king. You can imagine Jesus having to fulfill his role. And hearing that, and thinking, that's me. That's me. David was... That, God has planned my life. God did it for David. And I too can fulfill my destiny. Even from a broken past. Even from what the world sees. And the world will no doubt call a sinful past. That's a very encouraging thing. No matter what your past... No matter what you've come from, believe me, Jesus found himself in the book. Amen? And you can find yourself there too. And until you do, I guess you're trying to work it out yourself. Jesus was able to find himself in Scripture. He was able to identify himself in Scripture. And you need to do that because you're there, right? You see, David was Jesus comparatively. Solomon is you. And all the success of my father, all the success of God, your father, is supposed to come to you. But you need to see yourself there and recognize that these are the scriptures that speak about you. Like Jesus said, talking about the Christ, these are the scriptures that speak about me. Well, when God speaks about success, for the, he's talking about you. And you must identify yourself with that. Now, believe me, I know what it is to feel inadequate. Another way that God plans for your success in life. Anybody ever feel inadequate? Be honest. Put your hand up. You all do. Well, I do. I feel incredibly inadequate on many occasions, in many circumstances. And, and I, I was reflecting this week, thinking back, when I first came into ministry. I I, I went to Dublin and I had to meet a guy called Fergus Ryan. Now, you wouldn't know that name, but Fergus is a monumental figure in Ireland. He's one of the few people in the world I would call a genius, and I'm not alone. Trinity College Dublin is the same as Oxford or Yale. It's very high standards to get in there. Fergus is the only person in history to win all three academic... They give out a gold medal, three gold medals every year. He won all three in the same year. And you're talking about, I feel like an an insect (laughs) when he's he's, But it's more than that. He's a superman of God. At that time, he was leading the biggest church in Dublin. He's an academic genius, right? And he's a statesman. And I'm supposed to go and meet him. (laughs) Now, i just come into ministry. And I remember, now you might laugh at this or think I'm stupid, but I'm telling you the truth. I was frightened. I was frightened. And I couldn't sleep. And I'm going to meet him because I want to know. I just want to pick his brains. I want to ask him about life. I want to ask him how he succeeded in ministry. But I feel very insecure, struggling on my list, you know. And do you know what you do when you feel secure? insecure? Pray. So I prayed about it. And I, I remember, I said, God, what on earth am I going to say to him? I've got nothing in common with him. What am I going to do? I feel embarrassed already. I'm not even there yet. You know, listen to this. I couldn't sleep. So I got up and in my flat, I just happened to pull some notes off the shelf. And it was some papers from when I was in Bible college. It was actually a comparative study in two figures in church history, the early Augustine and the late Augustine. And just out of sheer sleeplessness and boredom, I refreshed my memory. Oh, yeah. The first Augustine, the second, and it was all brand new. Oh, got to go, got to meet Fergus. I go to the church, I met him actually at the platform. I shook hands with him. Guess what he did? <laughs> he quoted one of the Augustines. He quoted straight out of his mouth to me. I thought, oh, I was just reading that line. That was Augustine. And that was when he was in. How do you know about that? And he was studying in college and was fascinated. God planned for it. Do you understand? I felt inadequate. I wanted to enter into something. I wanted to put my foot in the kingdom. But I'm too shy. I don't think I can connect. And maybe you think you can't meet your boss. Maybe you think if I go to meet the manager, what will they say, God? I don't know what to say. If I go to meet this person or that person or even your future husband or bride, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. But God has got your success in his heart. And if you will pray, And say, God, if this is the road, He will put in your mind, in your life, tools for success. Hallelujah. And God smoothed the way for me. Just a simple little insecurity. But it was a problem because it would have blocked my progression. So God has planned for you whether you acknowledge it or not. And fourthly, God has given you prayer. And that's a fantastic, wonderful thing. I don't say that tritely. How can you succeed without prayer? I don't, want, I don't want the type of success that comes without prayer. And God does not just start you going and let you run out there, you know. He doesn't just say, this is what I want you to do. A, B, C, now off you go. And I'll see you at the rapture. It's not like that. It's not like that. Ben, come here a minute. Praise the Lord. What I want you to do is I want you to go and convert all mankind. Raise the dead, heal the sick, off you go. Praise the Lord. All the best. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) Bye, Ben. (laughs) That's what doesn't happen. That's what doesn't happen. Years ago, I was down with my own growth feeling sad about not getting far enough spiritually in my own life. And I went for a walk. And walking is actually a scriptural thing. Jesus wasn't just a teacher. Jesus was what we call today a peripatetic teacher. You heard that term? Do you know what that means? It's someone who teaches as they walk. Someone who travels through the world, and the student is behind, and the students would follow. He was a peripatetic. And when Jesus said, come follow me, he meant literally. Come and follow me. Because that, this was the nature of the rabbis. So I'm in the park. And I'm good at getting words from God, folks. It's, God has opened my ears so I can do my ministry. But sometimes it's just so different. And I was sad and I was down. I was thinking, God, man, I, I'm so poor as a Christian. I wish I could just grow, grow up. I'm ashamed of myself in so many ways. And I suddenly became aware that I wasn't on my own. It's the only time it ever happened to me. And you go into a little bit of a trance. Those of you who minister or you know that anointing, that it just anesthetizes you. And as I walked, I suddenly became aware that Christ was still a walker, a peripatetic teacher. And he began to speak to me. He said, you know what? You're a bit hard on yourself there, lad. A bit hard on yourself. And he talked to me about Peter. He told me to go home and study the life of Peter. Remember what happened to him? And that's where I got that message that I've preached to you several times. Peter's first love, failing love, growing love, and mature love. And the biggest thing God said to me in that park was this. Hey, man, some things take time. Some things take time. You're not going to grow up all in one day. So go home and study Peter. Thanks, Ben and that's exactly what I did I studied Peter and I, I, I saw those truths I see I guess in some ways Lord I'm trying to be like an old man and I'm actually a young man I'm making demands of myself that maybe you don't maybe you just enjoy my youth Lord and maybe you're giving me more time than I give myself I'm beating myself up's no good that's no good is it God And you see the critical lines, the wonderful lines in John's Gospel chapter 21 when when Jesus finally turned to Peter and talked to him about, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? The final line, the punchline was this. Peter, when you are old. That's what he said. Peter, like me, was wanting to love the Lord maybe in ways he wasn't mature enough to do yet. And when Jesus asked him those three times, the last words of, Peter to, of Jesus to Peter were, Peter, you will love me when you are old. Someone will take you by the hand and you will stretch out your heart. They're going to crucify you. It's just not yet. Some things take time. And Jesus, as well as giving you success, preparing where you live, giving you a gift, giving you the right city to live in, etc., etc. As well as all of that, he doesn't just launch you out then. He doesn't just send you out alone. But he said this, Lo, I will be with you always. I will be right beside you all the way through. You are not on your own. I've not abandoned you. You need to see it. You need to feel it. Seek it. Seek him. And seek his counsel. And lastly... God has promised your success, plan for it, given it, set you up so that you can succeed. But he's also promised it. I I hope, folks, that just like Solomon saw himself in scripture, just like Jesus saw himself, this is me. I hope today that you can see yourself as a child of God. As someone whom God gave His Son for and now wants to bless. He redeemed you from the curse of the law so that He could lavish His blessing on you. So get brainwashed. Put off your childhood and anything that was wrong in it and receive the promise of success. I will finish with this brief story. It never ceases to amaze me, this tale. Do you know who Spurgeon is? You heard of Spurgeon? Spurgeon is called the Prince of Preachers. And truly he was. His works are vast, superb individual. Served in Westminster Chapel in London. And this example, of all examples to happen, if it happened to anybody, it would be amazing. But the fact that it happened to him just makes it the icing on the cake, makes it 10 times greater. Listen to this. Spurgeon is famous. Everybody knows him. And one day he gets a phone call to say that there's a woman who's dying. She lives on a great estate. And she wants you to go and to do the funeral or pray for her. She's not dead yet. Go and pray for her. Go and be with her. So Spurgeon says yes and he travels out. And he arrives in this great estate. Acres and acres of land. And he's looking for the woman. And the woman lives in a little hovel A little run down hut. This is a true story. So Spurgeon, okay, go into the little hut, and the whole estate is empty. But there was a time when the estate was obviously great. And he goes in, and it's dark, and in the bed is this woman on her deathbed. And he sits down beside her, and he starts praying for her. And as he's praying for her, over her head, there's a framed piece of paper. And it's a sparse place. And he screws up his eyes and reads it and it says this I Lord blah 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 bequeath all I have to mrs. A-ba-ba-ba. and Spurgeon says to the woman do you mind if I just read that thing she says yes go." On. he takes it down and he says who's the Lord this is a will who's the Lord and the woman said ah uh, I served him all my life, and he died many years ago. And the only thing he gave me before he died was that piece of paper. So I framed it, and I hung it over my bed. And Spurgeon said, do you know what it is? And she said, no, I can't read. And it was her name. It was her name. Living in poverty living defeated whilst all the time over her head (laughs) was the word that said, I've left it all to you. And she didn't know. As I say, if that happened to anybody, it would be amazing. But the fact that it happened to Spurgeon, the reason, why, why do I say that? I say that because this, because he had the ability to get that example to the whole world. That's why, you see, God wanted to say something to you. He wants you to find your name in the book and realize like as soon as they spoke to Solomon, Solomon knew his history, he knew the bloodline. I'm a son of the king, my father David. As soon as God spoke to him about prosperity, don't talk to me about prosperity. First, I honor my father. I see the structure. And this morning, folks, you, if you're born again, you are a child of the king. And that Lord, how terrible, when you left everything, how terrible that the one you left it to should live in poverty. That's not what you wanted. God doesn't want your defeat. He wants your success because he's a good, 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 good God. Bow your heads. Just invite the worship team to come up, please. Just bow your heads and stay focused one second. you should be our all in all I pray for the needs of all of these people here and listening on air Father would you bless them and would you meet their needs in whatever form they are love and belonging let each one feel loved for esteem needs God you have chosen me you have called me by my name what more do I need for every problem and issue of the past, I wash it away in the name of Jesus. Flood over these people, Father, and I pray for their future success. May they never forget you, but always hold you above all things, focusing on you and following you. Lord, you are our peripatetic teacher. You're my leader. You're the one who walks with me. And I pray as the people leave this place today, Would they be very aware that Jesus is by their side in all circumstances? Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's just stand there, folks.